On today's episode of Up in the Air, we bring in one of my favorites. He has been a part of my life for, you know, since basically middle school. We've grown up together. Our families are close. Um, I'm close with his siblings as well. And, uh, you know, we've always kind of been similar in our personalities and our approach to life. But our paths have been very different since graduating high school. He is actually in training to become a fighter pilot and fly F-15s, which is pretty badass. And uh, I have obviously moved out here to Denver, and he's out all the way in Mississippi. So uh, without further ado, he is one of my best friends. Honestly, he's a, he's a brother to me more than anything. CJ Taggett. Welcome, everybody, to Up in the Air. This is episode two. And as I mentioned in the intro there, bringing on you know one of my best friends, more like a brother to me, CJ Taggett. And uh, it is a weird time in our country right now. And we had talked about this previously, you know, just on our own time about kind of his situation as the show is called Up in the Air. A lot of things right now up in the air, not only just in our country, but all around the world. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk to CJ and get his perspective on someone being in the military, you know, where everything is so organized and and put together, and how does this impact them, and how does this affect him uh, right now? So what's your COVID-19 situation, dude? Dude, COVID-19. We call it the corona guy over here, Um, just to kind of be, I guess, playful with it. But no, dude, it's kind of crazy. Basically, we've stopped all, um, I'm going to use a lot of weird terms, uh, and I'll obviously describe them as I go, but OCONUS uh, means obviously outside of the United States, so CONUS means the United States, and uh, obviously if I say CONUS, that means obviously the continental United States. Um, So basically what has happened is that President Trump has uh, basically stopped all travel, um, CONUS and um, Oconus, so overseas. Okay. And how that is affecting people right now is that usually every two years, I'm in a different situation, but usually every two years you get kind of a new assignment. Two to two to four years you get a new assignment. It's called a PCS, a permanent change of station. And what that is is that now you're moving to a different base for a different job. It may be a flying job. It may be you know, a staff job. It may be something else. Um, obviously not everybody in the air force is a pilot, right? So the pilot makes up probably, I would say, I don't know, 20%, just eyeballing that, um, makes 20% of it, but yeah. So basically they've stopped all travel. So I'm kind of stuck here in Columbus, Mississippi, where I'm at right now, but that's pretty much it, man. So so similar to like pretty much most people's situation, they're locked down. They're only allowed to go and get essential items, you know, groceries. Uh, you can go to a pharmacy and get medication. In many states, they've still allowed people to pick up, you know, alcohol. Even here, they're still allowing the marijuana shops to be open because I guess they deemed weed and booze to be uh, <laughs> weed necessary and, booze. and essential. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like to tell uh, the state of Colorado that you can't go to the, the weed shop anymore. But, um, you know, what is that like for you? I mean, has your day to day changed? Because um, obviously you're on a on a base and you're you know flying all day and and doing all of these meetings. Are are you allowed to go to the store? You know what what's your situation? Yeah, man, we're like? totally allowed to get weed all the time. The weed hasn't been affected at all. Uh, <laughs> no, dude, honestly, nothing has been affected that much. So how our leadership has for for my specific squadron, how my leadership has changed uh our operations is we're going to be flying we fly on a split schedule so half of the squadron it's it's a it's a term of social distancing right so how they do it is they're going from split ops so team one we'll call them is my senior class and when i say my senior class it's the class that started three weeks ahead of me so they're farther ahead than i am uh so the senior class team one they they fly Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. And so they have a set of instructor pilots known as IPs that I'll probably be referencing throughout the entire, um, it's a broad term, so instructor pilot IP. They have a ton of IPs that um, fly with them on that specific day, and then they work Monday, Wednesday, Friday. My team, so team two, we have a set of IPs that fly with us that don't interact and we don't intermingle 
on any of the days. So we fly Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So our makeshift weekend is Sunday, Monday, which is kind of odd. However, um, you know, that Sunday that you're usually trying to get Chick-fil-A is now Monday for me, so it's not that big of a deal. But that's pretty you're just much switching it, it over. Yeah. It's a huge, it's so, a huge okay, so there are certain precautionary measures being taken, obviously. I think everybody is. So you're in Columbus, Mississippi, obviously not a place that most people know about, um, but there is an <laughs> yeah. Air Force base there. So what do you know, if anything, what the situation is like in Mississippi? Have you heard anything from statewide or the governor about kind of what their game plan is or what their situation is? Oh, yeah, dude. So the governor... Um, of Mississippi, I believe quoted the other day. I think I, I may be just spitballing, but he's like, "We'd never be like China or something like that." And, I thought that was, and then issued not like twelve hours later, basically issued a uh, a, a statewide lockdown that pretty much every other state is in right now. So I thought that was pretty funny. But no, yeah. So right now, um, we, in, for example, in Columbus, we have a ten o'clock curfew. If you're caught outside of 10 o'clock, you know, the police can pull you over with probable cause. So, uh, really, yeah, it's pretty wild. And 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 I'm thinking about it too. And there's a there's a lot of thought about does that infringe on your like you know your rights and your freedoms? freedoms. Yeah, that we have. And so, but dude, honestly, I'm just an LT man, and I'm trying to just sit down, shut up, and color. Um, so, I mean, dude, why try and break rules and test things out when you don't need to? Um, the way that I see this is that, like, look, the whole social distancing thing, uh, did, did we go too far with, like, quarantine and all this stuff? I don't know. But, like, what, the way that my commander put this, too, is was really good, and it's probably been said a lot now, is that, like, basically we won't know if we overprepared or took too much action in order to try and stop this or overreacted but we will know if we underreacted or did too little and those repercussions would be drastically different than the whole overreaction you know the loss of loved ones etc etc um so personally this doesn't really affect me that much um i mean obviously i can't go out to the bars and drink with uh, drink with the homies, but you know, the quarantine life, I mean, I talk to you pretty much every day and, uh, yeah. yeah so, yeah, I, our governor, governor Polis, he brought up a good point. He's like, look, like this isn't, uh, an ask of us. This isn't like a recommendation. Like this is a, an order to do this. And I think what happens is when you're saying infringing upon people's, you know, freedoms, what, what might have you. America is very much a, a country founded upon the freedoms and you have this Bill of Rights and you can kind of do what you want here. Um, and people are wondering why other countries have been able to control it better. Well, if you're running in a communist country like China or Russia, there's more control from the state level to really get people to stop doing these things. Whereas here, we have a lot of people that like to break rules, like to be rebellious. And I understand that to a certain extent, the country was founded on that. But like to your commander's point, which is a great point, like there is no such thing as overreacting in this, but we will know for damn sure if we underreacted because more lives will be lost. I saw today in the last 24 hours, like 700 plus people have died in New York, which brings their total to basically 5,600. And then people bring in these statistics about the flu and how many people it kills. It's like, it doesn't matter to me. This isn't comparing. It's the fact that 5,600 people are dead now that were alive you know, a short three to four weeks ago. So just be responsible and don't be an idiot and just do this the right way because even if you're not going to be affected by it, it might be affecting somebody else that's older or is ill that, that can't fight this the same way that a 24 or 25-year-old guy can. Yeah, no, you know what I mean? It's I just, completely agree. And it's, all, it's also affecting my freaking stock market portfolio. So the quicker That's we get true. well through today this. was actually good dude i know man i was so pumped when i was up like three hundred dollars dude american airlines i'm telling yeah. you that's up that's going to be on the come up yeah i mean i think a lot of people are being hopeful that we've sort of like turned the corner on this so the market today was super bullish and it was you know trying to bring about this sense of hope but then you i also hear other things where you know jp morgan came out and said well be prepared for a, a great recession 
So, you know, it's all speculation and we don't know what's going to happen one day to the next. I mean, if you would have told me a month ago that this is the situation that we'd be in, I'd be laughing at you. But not only in our generation, like I talked to my grandma yesterday and she goes, in my whole life, I've never seen anything like this. And I'm, you know, she's 80 years old. Yeah, my dad and was saying the same people thing. People of that generation are just like, it's insane. Yeah, he said, you're going to look back on this time and you're going to remember where you were, what you were doing, and not only the coronavirus thing, but you're going to remember this as like the stock market crash too of 2020 because of the coronavirus. So, dude, it's going to be freaking crazy, man. And I and I and I know it'll bounce back. I you know, eventually it'll bounce back, but I feel like things are going to change, um especially like will the airlines get bailed out? And obviously I have a um a personal interest in that because of my father and what I want to do obviously in the future. But like Dude, will that air, will the airlines be bailed out? With all that jazz, you know, are these companies that are being hit so hard, and these mom and pa restaurants, and uh, you know, the mom and pa shops that we have in not only Columbus but like back in Fresno, even in Denver, those those small towns that are those small companies that are just affected by this because suddenly, hey, you got to shut down, and uh, that's an order. And you're like, dude, what the fuck? So. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's scary, and it, and you feel bad for a lot of people out there, and a lot of people are like, oh, I'm bored and I'm frustrated. I'm like, we're all bored. Oh my we're god, all frustrated. Like, dude, we're all going through this. You know what I mean? And it's like, I understand the frustration. Like, I don't like being cooped up in an apartment all day. Like, I wish I had a house to walk around in, and I wish I had a dog, <laughs> no, I and I wish it. I had more things to preoccupy me. But it's like, it is what it is, and I can't change the hand that we've been dealt. And I was having this conversation with my dad yesterday as well. And he had similar sentiment to your dad. And he was like, look, like you'll always remember this. You will look back on this for the rest of your life. You'll tell your kids about this, your grandkids about this. He's like, but this is the hand you've been dealt. You got to, you got to play your hand. And I said, yeah. And he goes, you know, hopefully we look back on this and can either smile about or laugh about it and be like, man, we got through all of that shit and look where we are now. And we're better for it because of it. So there's two ways to look at it, um, and I think to be a little bit optimistic is good, but you also need to be a realist and not think that everything is going to go back to normal. I think a lot of habits are going to change with people. Like, are people going to shake hands as much? Are people going to take the airlines as much? Like, this might have fallout for, like, months to come, even if this thing gets curbed by May. Wow, you know I, I never mean? thought about that. Like, okay, let's say everything's okay in the next six weeks. Would you get on a plane in June or July? A lot of people might not. Dude, like, a, I don't know remind, dude think lingering. about this as like the 9-11 thing where like people did not yeah, fly. people were scared. People did not fly for a long time. And the airline industry took a huge beating because of that. And they've obviously yeah. have bounced back since then. And everyone's always frustrated. Right, tell me you're not frustrated with the way that TSA – you know, handles what they do, but that is because of 9/11. And I always make the joke that TSA stands for thousands of standing around, or thousands standing <laughs> around, not thousands of standing around, thousands of thousands standing around. Excuse me, um, because literally it looks like there's just 500 to a thousand dudes just standing there, not doing anything, just like standing there. Right. So you're like, dude. Open up another one, bro. Let us in. Let me yeah. in. Let me it, in. It changed. Nine Eleven changed everything. I mean, it changed the way we consume media. It changed security. Yeah, it changed the 100%. economy. Like this is the same thing. You just don't think that something like this is going to happen. And we've always been told, like, oh, a pandemic could happen or a contagion, or we're not prepared for that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, we're smart, we're capable. <laughs> our, <laughs> Boom, our medical happened. industry is. Yeah, and then bam, it's like, oh my god, and you know. I'm thankful I don't have like kids or, you know, having to pay for kids to go to call. Like I'm I'm thankful that I don't have to be responsible for like an entire family because the weight of that would just be so much on me right now, especially if I owned a local business. I mean, your heart goes out to those people because I can't imagine waking up every day and the amount of anxiety that is weighing on you. And there's going to be depression because of this. There's going to be people that lose everything because of this. And, and there's just nothing that they can do about it. It's awful. Um, Dude, think so, about this. Think like about said, this. You're talking about how, like, uh, you know, having kids and, like, you know, trying to watch out for that. But, dude, there's, like, 
I've got five friends who are pregnant right now, and they're in their oh they're like super pregnant, you know. So they're about to have these children, and like think about that timing, like what, dude, bringing yeah. a child into I mean, that, it, and especially being yeah. born in a hospital. I don't know, man. Ugh. Where their immune system is weaker and they can't fight it the same way a normal functioning human could. I mean, it's just like living in a state of anxiety and fear. It's terrible. So that's why I tell people, I'm like, if you can just sacrifice for the next month and just really get over yourself and understand that if we do this now, we'll thank each other six months from now. Otherwise, this shit's going to keep dragging on because Joe Schmo is bored and wants to have a house party. Like... Screw you. <laughs> Joe Schmo. Like, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, all right, all right. So enough enough for COVID-19 for now. It gets me off. Wait, wait, I got one more point. I got okay. one more point. I got one more point. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Think about this. All the times that you were, like, back in college or back in the day when you were a child and you're like, oh, I'm so bored. This is the way that I look at it. I'm so bored. There's nothing to do. Yeah, it sucks. But like, dude, I'm the way that I'm living life right now or having to live life. It's a nonstop thing. And so and I'm still doing it right. Like there's no stop for me. I'm still going to work basically every other day. And the way that I have to work is a little bit different. But yada, yada, dude, I wish I could be bored like I really do. There's some days where I could wish I wish I could just take a step back and just be bored, but I don't know. That's my yeah. point on it too. So like, no. when people complain about being bored and shit, I'm like, Ed, you're gonna look back at a time where you're really upset with like, man, I'm so busy all the time. Like, it just be bored. Remember what be it's thankful. like to be bored. Yeah, remember what it's like to be able to do nothing. Yeah, zero things. Exactly. People, but... Remember what it's like to do zero things. All right, so the question on everybody's mind probably is, um, you know, a lot of people obviously know what a pilot is and, and they've known about the military or they know somebody relative that's in the military, but maybe not everyone knows kind of the process of how to get from square one to square two. And if you could, for us, sort of explain in a short synopsis as best you can how you got from graduating college to where you are now and kind of the step-by-step process of becoming a fighter pilot because I don't think a lot of people understand kind of all the protocol that, that goes on with this. Yeah, man. So um, let's see, starting out. Sorry, I just, I'm grabbing another beer. It's been a long day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, obviously if I, if I say, if I say shit um, and it sounds, kind of messed up kind of like how i was explaining thousands standing around and i kept saying thousands of uh yeah a little tipsy over here um well that's what i'm saying i'm you know it's like layman's terms like yeah. you know if if i'm stupid explain it to me <laughs> like i'm a, stupid you know, a child. yeah i already know you're stupid so i'll explain <laughs> it in a way that you can understand uh yeah, yeah dude so there's i'm sorry for the way that i talk to i always say dude whatever and fuck so that's that's literally how pilots talk, especially in the military. And it's pretty much how I've talked my entire life. But um, basically, man, so there's like three different ways, um, especially in the Air Force, how to become a pilot. And those um, those ways are through uh, ROTC, which is Reserved Officer Training Corps, I, I believe. They call it ROTC, ROTC. Could be, you know, bullshitting. It shows how much I pay attention to that. There's also the Air Force Academy, which is basically military school. If you want to march around all day uh, and go to class. Out here in Colorado Springs. Yes, out there in uh, the good old Colorado. Um, yeah, man, they just – I don't know if you've, like, followed any of that, but, yeah, it's pretty sad, man. Two two of the seniors out there um, committed suicide in this last two – I believe two weeks ago. Um but yeah, they're they're taking this quarantine a little differently, and I and obviously I didn't go there, so I don't know what it's like. But like, dude, you know, losing a part of your Air Force family, like, as much as I give shit to the Academy nerds, is what I is what we call them. Um, we as in non-Academy people, um, dude, it it sucks, man. Like, no one ever wants to hear that. But there's three ways, right? So ROTC, yeah. ROTC, the Academy, and then uh, Officer Training School, which is what I went to. Um, and I'm very fortunate because I have a very different way 
of how I went about becoming a uh, a pilot and a lot of like you guys will say that you as in my friends uh will say that I'm a fighter pilot and uh personally I don't call myself that because um like when I go out and tell people you know like what I do um I'm training to be a fighter pilot yes um, and it's because I'm not there yet, and that's a big. It's like right. um, it's like rushing a frat, right? Where you're you're like, yeah, man, I'm in Sigma Chi or ATO, and you're a rushy or you're uh, what do you call it? a pledge, and you're right. like, dude, you're you feel not like you haven't hit yet. the finish line yet. Yeah, and right. so I'm not there yet, right? So, um, basically, how I went about it is that I grew up in a family, a uh, military family. You obviously know. Uh, but I grew up in a military family where my dad was a fighter pilot, and he flew F-4s, F-4 Phantoms, and uh, F-16, two really cool planes. Obviously, I grew up wanting to fly uh, an F-16. Uh, here I am, hired to fly the F-15, which is the world's basically greatest air supremacy fighter of all time. It's got a kill-to-death ratio of 104 to 0, so... It's undefeated. That's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Exactly. Put that on your <laughs> Call of Duty record, right? 104 to 0. Yeah. That. Um, but yeah, dude, so I went about it differently. And so there's there's three, there's pretty much three branches of the, and I say branches, three branches of the Air Force. If you imagine, uh, if you imagine your hand as the main core of the Air Force, it's made up of three big fingers. And the biggest finger is the active duty Air Force. Uh, so those are the guys who basically just get told what to do, where to go. And they don't really have a say as much in what they're going to do. Um, so they could get a flying job somewhere. They could get a staff job. They could get a different plane, yada, yada. Uh, the reserves and the guard are, make up the other two fingers, and they're a lot smaller than the, uh, than the big finger of the so-called hand that makes up the uh, the Air Force. And the reserves is basically the same thing as the Guard. So the Guard is what makes the Guard different from the reserves is what I'm in the Guard. What makes the Guard different from the reserves is where the funding comes from. And so the funding comes from, in the Guard, it comes from the state. So technically I report to the governor of California. Uh, but when I'm on okay. active duty orders, obviously... I'm under federal payroll, yada, yada. Dude, it's so confusing about where the money comes from and what state or, like, what – and I say state uh, as in, like, what position you're in, not, like, actual state as in, like, California. So what state you're in uh, regarding, like, active duty, guard, or reserve. So the reserve comes from the federal uh, government. But as I said, I'm in the guard, so I report directly to the governor of California. However, the, the mission in Fresno is uh, we have an alert mission, uh, which means that we sit, we have two capable jets um, that are fully loaded with active, with active ordnance to intercept any sort of hostile um, aircraft or perceived to be hostile aircraft. And so what that's called is a scramble. And um, basically what that means is that we... You you're beeping over there, bro. You good? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, bro. All right. Anyways, uh, so yeah, we're we're we have this alert mission, yada yada. Uh, but that means so anytime that there's like a, and I'm speaking from someone who hasn't done this, who just knows about it, and obviously hasn't been there and isn't in that yet i'm speaking of what i know so it's kind of like a uh i don't know a second hand so so to speak of right. like what what it's i'm to going your into. knowledge yeah, to the exactly. best of your knowledge so simple things man so like intercepting a uh let's say that you go out there and you fly a cessna 12 miles off the coast and then you turn what's called your transponder off and that transponder is um, the transponder basically tells the radar control facilities that are able to see you. Uh, and so when we fly around, it's not just like we're just flying aimlessly. 
uh, a lot of times where we we need to go places and we're talking to different agencies um, who control a certain airspace and it's it's literally like highways okay. in the sky and so um, we get they're called vectors and you know flight plans all that jazz uh, you'll a vector is basically like hey go over here hey go over here now go to this altitude that altitude anyways when someone who turns off their transponder something that identifies you as this aircraft and they can see you on their radar um, if you turn that off and then you come back in they don't know who you are um, and so there's been there's been plane you know like that for example that guy who stole the uh, plane up in Seattle and then ultimately ended up killing himself those like hijacking like that's that's what the alert mission is for and so we would basically we're the protector of the west coast um, the California west coast down in Fresno and basically any sort of threat air threat that comes into the west coast we can go intercept like I said that is a to my knowledge of what we do obviously in the guard and in fresno we have to keep up with currencies like landing currencies weapon currencies to my knowledge to my knowledge um and all that jazz but basically that's that's the job i got hired for so as a kid it's not a one size fits all like i think people go oh he's a fighter pilot okay they're all the same yeah no well he's a part of the air force branch and like you just explained there's three ways to even get into it so the first would be you just active duty, the academy here in the Springs, and then the OTS, which is what you did. Right. And then beneath that, there's then three prongs, basically, which would be active duty, the reserve, and the guard, right, correct? Right, right. And so something about the guard, too, is that, uh, dude, we can be activated by the president at any time, right? So, like, but, okay. but my specific mission is an air-to-air mission, which is not... It, which is not the popular mission right now. The popular mission is uh, putting war nuggets on four nuggets. And uh, in the fighter pilot community, uh, we're not allowed to use the word head uh, as a kind of like a joke. Obviously, for, you know, sexual innuendo reasons, uh, that's kind of just, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. Little, there's <laughs> little things. So, like, if I say stuff like that, yeah, just mean I mean head. But yeah, so warheads on foreheads, war nuggets on four nuggets. Uh, so what that means is that the, you know, we're fight. We have a war on terror, right? And so these terrorists do not own planes, really. You know, so dude, they're they're out in the shanties, they're out in the caves, they're driving those, you know, little Miatas. Hashtag MacGruber, um, and they're just, they're we're we're dropping bombs on them, right? And so the plane that I fly does not drop bomb, so. And I might get crucified. Right, one you're day air to air. air exactly. Yeah. So, I, I think more than anything, it's more when you talk about like the air supremacy, and you've explained to me just kind of the differences between, you know, our branch of the military and what separates us from the rest of the world. So it's more like we have these, you know, fifty. Did we lose you there? Lost me there for a second. Uh, but I'm Earth back. I don't know what just happened. I moved my phone, and it said call failed. God damn it. Yellow. Yo, sorry, dude. This, uh. Wow. Sprint again, yeah, sp- man. I'm on T Mobile now, dude. I'm on T Mobile. Oh, okay. T Mobile. Well, All right. You can. All right. Well, we lost CJ there for a second because he, uh. I always joke with him because he has Sprint or used to have Sprint. So his calls yeah, now, are dropped. Now T Mobile is. All right, we're back. Good. Okay, so. So to go back to what we were saying, so you've got the air supremacy and clearly it's not really a competition from my understanding, but what you've always told me, it's more of like, you know, here's my hand, here's your hand. And it's like the United States seems to be like, they have all of this at their disposal. They don't use every bit of it, but it's more of a, a fear tactic. It's like, why the hell would you even want to do something against us? Cause when it comes to air to air combat, there's really nothing that can take us out from my understanding. Um, Yeah. Uh, as I've as I've progressed through my training, uh, dude, there is some scary shit out there, and we are not Superman, and we are not invincible, you know. So there are some there are some scary shit that can actually uh, take us out. But um, the way that we are trained, and the way that 
uh, our Air Force pilots are trained, it's a higher caliber than anyone else in the world. And so that's that's what I'm like noticing now, you know, especially as I'm going through this, uh, is that basically the way we are trained and the way that we go about uh, completing these missions, uh, dude, it's 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 bar none. And we, when we talk about when we talk about the best air force in the world, man, it it is no joke. Like these these guys who are here teaching uh, have gone through some shit, and they tell us these war stories. And obviously, I'm not gonna share certain war stories, but dude, they tell us some things, and you're like. Dude, you did that, and you had the mental capability of doing this. And the way that I would describe, you know, being a pilot, an Air Force pilot, a fighter pilot, uh, it's like getting your master's or doctorate in something that you don't really have an idea of when you first start year one, and then suddenly you are shaped into this pristine, and I use that loosely because uh, as you grow older and as you become more experienced in the Air Force, pristine has a different meaning, you know, and experience has a different meaning. But you put a brand new, you know, first lieutenant who's in a Strike Eagle or an F-16, and you put those guys up against anybody in the world, you're going to have a fight, man. And it's just because of the way that they're trained, and they're trained so well. And so that's why I always think about, like, yeah, I always thought that our weapons are very capable and other people's weapons, you know, suck. But, dude, you start learning some shit about what China has, what Russia has, uh, even what Iran has, and you're like, oh, shit. No, they definitely have things um, out here that can fuck us up. And and it, it, it becomes very apparent uh, when you... <laughs> When you talk to these guys who have been shot at and who have been overseas in the shit and who have dropped bombs and who have, you know, encountered these things, and dude, it is no joke what what have been shot at these guys. And some dudes, they tell me they're lucky to be alive. So, dude, it's not it's not one of these wow. where it's like, dude, we're invincible and like, no, it can even touch us because of the stealth and blah blah blah. Dude, we're touchable. We are definitely touchable, but um, it's a lot harder. But by the way that we are trained in our technology, but dude, Russia and China are knocking on that door. So that's what scares me. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like we're the gold standard for you know what it means. Not even just in the Air Force, but across the sure, entire yeah. military. No, I mean, yeah. obviously we we spend the most money, so we should be putting the best education and training out there. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, to your point, I think there's a certain level of prestige with us from a training standpoint. And even when I, you know, went to Oklahoma to watch you, you know, get your wings, there was a division of guys and correct me if I'm wrong, that were training from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So it was like they were sending their guys here as our allies um, because they knew that this was, you know, the best place to be in terms of training. Yeah. For and this. it's pretty wild, man, especially with what happened in Pensacola, what, like six months ago, I think it was. Um, Dude, the guy, the Saudi dude shot up, you know, Pensacola uh, Naval Air Station where that's where their initial training is when they come from overseas. Is That's where they go, and that's how they initially get academics and learn how to fly in the United States. Um, so, dude, they put a pause on all the, all the uh, Saudi Arabians uh, for a solid three to four months while they kind of vetted what happened. Wow. And... Yeah, wow. it was a it was a big deal. It was a big deal. So they're starting to fly now. Is there? But I, it was a it was a huge deal. I've never even thought about this, but until now. But is there ever a fear of you know espionage or anything like that in terms of training <laughs> and guys coming in and doing intel? I mean, yeah, I know yeah. it's no, I, crazy. I, I hear is that what a you're thing? saying, man. Uh, so definitely. Definitely not, especially in UPT. So UPT is undergraduate pilot training is what you what you get your wings in. That's a year long, uh, that's a year long process. Uh, but back in UPT, there's really nothing classified that goes through this. What they're teaching you there is basic airmanship in the Air Force, how to fly a plane, and 
how to think like a pilot. So what they're teaching you is basically the building blocks of being a pilot. Um, and so I, we kind of... So it's not like government, you know, secretive, top classified information. It's more of just the training no, aspect. No, 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 no. So, so, exactly. So what it is, it's what that, that initial training is teaching you how to fly a plane. And these planes that we're flying, right now we're flying the T-6 Texan, which is a really fun propeller, uh, high-performance propeller aircraft that's got 1,200 horsepower. And that thing is a beast. And then you jump into... Either a T1 Jayhawk, which is which is, looks like a private jet almost, and then uh, or a T38, which is insane because the T38 was made in the 50s, and like Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, those dudes trained at NASA with those planes. My dad flew that plane. Like, dude, I'm flying planes that are older than my father to this day. Like. Dude, to... Wow, I didn't know the T thirty eight was part of the the NASA yeah, program. Yeah, so the T thirty eight is a uh, is a very famous trainer. It's like the famous trainer of the United States Air Force. Um, so like everything government wise, uh, training wise too, you, the T thirty eight has probably been involved. So it is a it wow. is an old aircraft. It is seen and flown a lot. Over the past what sixty years, seventy years now, wild. So the progression has it gone from T six to T thirty eight to the F fifteen? Yeah, so that's that's where I'm going, and that's the that's the road that I went down. And there's so many different possibilities, and there's like what seven? I think there's like seventy two different possible aircraft that you can fly, or. Uh, you know, operate in the Air Force. So there's, you know, it's like filling out a bracket, really, a March Madness bracket. Rest in peace, because good God, I wish we could watch that this year. But I know, don't yeah. even bring that up. Uh, but <laughs> it's it's almost like that. Where like, dude, there's so many options that like, it's it's like a lottery, you know. Uh, but basically, how my progression went, and I know we kind of went off track of like, you know, Saudi Arabians, blah, 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 all that jazz that we talked about. But dude, the way that I went about it is that, um, like I said, I grew up in a family, a fighter pilot family, and I wanted to do that. So what I did is I interviewed at the Guard in Fresno, obviously where we're from, and I ended up getting hired for that. And so what that meant is that I knew what plane I was going to fly, where if you join via ROTC or the Academy, you're part of the active duty air force and going through UPT. Um, you don't necessarily have that luxury of knowing. And I'm not saying that I have just this golden ticket and I didn't have to earn anything. Dude, it could have easily been stripped away from me if, if I did poorly at pilot training and I've seen it happen before too. And so, and, and it's not over yet. Like it's still not guaranteed for me because I still have to perform here at IFF, which is the introduction of fighter fundamentals. And we'll get into that. And then also at B course, which is B course is where I learned how to fly the F-15 and that weapon system. So dude, it's not easy. And so how I went about it though, is that I got hired there. And so they sent the guard sent me through OTS and the guard sent me through uh, undergraduate pilot training and the guard is now sending me through IFF and the guard is sending me out to Oregon uh, to learn how to fly the F-15 and then I will go back to that unit in Fresno and I will be there until either they fire me um, or I quit or um, and I say quit I have, I do have a commitment I believe it's like 10 years um, so I have to at least be there 10 years um, or you know they uh, or I continue to stay there. So it's it's. I did it a really different way, and it's the best kept secret in the military. So if you're actually listening to this and you want to be a pilot, highly suggest going guard because, dude, you know where you're gonna be, you know what you're gonna fly, and typically the guard bubbas are a bunch of bros and they look out for each other. It's more like a family rather than in big blue, big air force. Dude, it's it's a doggy uh, dog world out there, and it sucks to say that, but like really, a lot of people, a lot of these, uh, dude, in order to get leadership positions, you gotta step on somebody. So that's kind of that's kind of shitty how the Air Force works, and I don't mean to talk bad about it, but like, dude, that's that's literally how almost every company works, and the Air Force is prone to that as well. So 
I just got really lucky, very fortunate, and I get to go back home. So, yeah, that's basically yeah. I mean, that's basically I think it from my point. You've explained to people, kind of, you know, like it's it's a big corporation, just like anything else. Yep. You were lucky enough to to know kind of what your protocol was going to be, and and sort of a guide for you. And I've been around these guys. <laughs> yeah, you and, have. Yes, you, know, you have. Yeah, and they're a lot. They're definitely um, a lot. They're, they're very rowdy, and it's definitely a fraternity, and they look out for each other. But I think the cool thing with you is, you know, when I was there, and and I go to Oklahoma to watch the ceremony with you, like they clearly had a vested interest in making sure that you were successful, you were on the right path, and you were doing everything you could to, you know, get to your end goal, which is ultimately to fly the F-15. So that to me was really cool. You know, you didn't feel like you were part of this giant organization and you were just a number. Like to them, you were somebody that was going to come into their family. They were going to work with you, be close with your friends, your family. So I think the route you've taken has been great. Obviously, it hasn't been easy. I mean, you've had to go from you know, Enid, Oklahoma, which if you've never been there, it's, it, it sucks. It's, it's the middle of nowhere. And then you go from Enid, Oklahoma to Columbus, Mississippi, which you've it's explained to me is Enid. still it's, shitty. It's literally, if, yeah. I mean, to then, describe it to you, it's Enid, but in Mississippi. Yeah. And then you go from there now to Oregon, where you will eventually, you know, fly the yeah. F-15, which is, you know, the end goal, end the end goal. result. And everybody wants that for you. And so, okay, so we'll we'll kind of end on, on getting towards the F-15. So after you leave Mississippi, you're going to Oregon where you will actually learn the weapon system, um, you know, with, with the F-15. And then from there, you'll go back to Fresno. But explain to people kind of what the F-15 is, um, you know, how fast does this thing go, what is the weapon system, et cetera. Right, um, kind of to, and, and I guess kind of to put it in perspective, there's, there's basically three portions of training that I've been through. Uh, not to mention SEER, which is like survive, survive, sur- you survive, evade, uh, resist, and escape, which is probably the worst training that I've actually ever been to, and you know about that. Uh, that shit sucked. Um, but so basically what I've been through is that UPT pilot training is where they teach you how to fly, as I've talked about. IFF, which is the... In- introduction to fighter fundamentals is basically where they're taking you from a brand new winged pilot and they're molding you into what a fighter pilot should be and then so they're teaching you how to fly and now they're teaching you how to use the plane as a weapon at iff and so what that means is like how you're you know you're you're doing basic fighter maneuvers and what that means is that you're basically trying to kill each other in the air which is wild and i did that today and it was it was probably one of the most this this most recent ride was the most fun that i've had actually flying in a long time um and then from here now they take all these building blocks that have been about a year and a half of training and they put that into a new jet and what primarily what that is is a weapon system and so this weapon system is like what missiles um, what radar, the capabilities, uh, how fast it goes, yada, yada, right? And so there's obviously classified information about the F-15 that I can't talk about that I know. But, uh, dude, this 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 plane is capable of Mach 2. And so what Mach means is that it's the speed of sound, which is generally, I should know this, but I don't, but it's generally around like 730 miles an hour uh, at what sound travels. And so what that means is that we're, we can fly faster than two times the speed of sound, and that is fast as shit. Uh, I've never been above Mach 1 yet, uh, but obviously I plan to come back on the show and explain and share more recent stories and events that have happened to me, if you if you would have me back. But, um, yeah, this weapon system that I'm going to is, I've already talked about it, basically how it's 104 to 0. Dude, this is the world's this this airplane changed how countries uh not allied with us and even allied with us but not allied with us changed how they developed their aircraft and this thing was such it this thing was such a force that 
when there's a certain story, I believe it was like March 20th, man, like 1970? I can't remember the exact date, but it, w it was talked about in, uh, in one of our history briefs that we had not too long ago when I first got here. But um, an Iraqi MiG, uh, a MiG is a Russian-made, but it's sold out to everybody. Um, sold out to everybody. Kind of like, it's almost like Lockheed Martin, Boeing. Anyone can really buy it. Uh, it's just, can you pay the price? And so this MiG was, uh, this Iraqi MiG was um, flying out there, and it basically, I know I'm saying this in a, very terrible story, but this MiG was flying out there, and he saw an F-15, and instead of trying to run away, uh, he ejected out of his aircraft because he knew he was going to die. And so that's how powerful and that's how um, lethal and scary this platform was to the rest of the world. And obviously, this is a fourth-gen fighter, and we have new fifth-gen fighters out there like the F-35 and the F-22, which are very more capable in the F-15, but you know this this thing has been a staple of the United States, and they're they're trying. It's been so successful that they're trying to make new variants of it uh, re in in the upcoming years to try and replace this old fleet that we're flying. And uh, it's going to be called the F F-15 EX. Um, and so hopefully that program gets uh, gets lifted off the ground, and we do get those fighters because obviously a new F-15 uh, air superiority fighter would be awesome. Uh, with new capabilities and whatnot, but dude, the the F-15, what I'm going to is a very powerful, very lethal, and very bold uh, airframe, and it has shown that it is successful in the past, and the war has changed, and the way that we operate has all changed, and there's a lot of scary things, especially for pilots out there, that with these unmanned drones and the... Um, the, the future wars, not saying that I hope for future wars, but the future wars are going to be fought manless with these drones and these AIs um, basically from far, far away. We've got dudes that are basically flying drones from, you know, from the United States over Iraq and over Syria and, um, and over Iran, and it's all linked up via satellite. If that drone gets shot down, no one gets killed. But if I get shot down, you know, Obviously, that's a different story. And so, obviously, they're looking at a new way of trying to implement how the war is fought and how we can save lives, of, of our own lives, right? Um, and so that's kind of scary in the fighter pilot world, but I think there's always going to be a need for these fighter pilots, and not to mention the fighter pilot shortage, yada, yada, what that all is. And, dude, you could we could talk for hours. We could talk for hours about it. Oh, I know. And... I I, that's what I wanted to talk with you. I mean, you're in such a unique position. You don't come around, you know, someone who's doing this every day. I mean, you can talk to salespeople, people in tech, people in the software industry. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities here and there. This is such a different path to be taken. It's one that's a lot more granular and complicated than one might imagine. Um, so you to just try and formulate it all is I understand difficult and there's so much to this so that's why I wanted yeah, to yeah you know, and I'm sorry if I you about the current situation with, like, trying to explain because no like, I'm, I'm not gonna lie I'm a little tipsy um, and trying to put it into <laughs> layman terms like describing it in a way if you're not in and you don't know what it's like is very difficult sometimes without not only giving away information that you're not allowed to give away um, but just in a way that people can relate to and understand. So the best way that I can describe being a fighter pilot or wanting to be a fighter pilot is that I'm still in pledge ship right now. And I'm, I'm like in, if there's, how, how long was your pledge ship? Uh, quarter. quarter? Uh, so what is that? Like 10, 10, 10 weeks? weeks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 weeks. All right. Yeah. It yeah. was 10 weeks. So it was awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, imagine. So like I'm in of your, Let's see, 10 weeks. I'm in, like, week seven. I'm at the beginning of week seven. And... Yeah, you're, yeah, you're on the I'm home on the stretch. Home stretch. There's still shit that I got to get done and things that I have to prove and things that I have to learn. But, like, dude, a lot of it is a haze. You know, there, it's a lot of it is, hey, I had to do this, now you have to do this. And not saying that that's the correct way to do it, but like you were saying, too, it's a rite of passage. And 
to understand how stressful this job is and to understand like the how dangerous this job is you know you go through these things and you go through these events and you go through these trainings with with these dudes and i know how like bland that sounds but like you get to love these dudes and you get to um you get to experience things and brotherhood that like you wouldn't experience in a normal job environment and so like i always talk about it this way too that when people ask me like dude you must be making a ton of money like you're flying this cool plane blah 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 like look i'm doing this because i've always wanted to do this and i've loved doing this but i just i wouldn't do this for them i'm not doing this for the money um and so it's something that i've always dreamed of and that's what the whole point of this fighter pilot thing is so No, I mean, you, you've done exactly what you set out to do, and that's what I think is so badass about it is you've never questioned it. You wanted to do this since you were little. You've continued on that path, and maybe not everybody can be a fighter pilot, but people can hear this and go, okay, this guy had a plan. He went after it. He wasn't worried about the money. He was worried about yeah. the end result. And, you know, we'll follow you through this, and that when that day comes, you know, when you're finally up there and you've you've hit the end goal, like, that's going to be the best day of your life, and that's going to be Can't totally wait, worth yeah. it. So. I think just to hear from your perspective is is interesting because most people no, don't get I, to hear it. I, you know, I agree. You know, I agree. It's it's a it's a different perspective, and I'm super happy that I do. I guess I have an outlet to tell you about it, and I think it's cool that you allow me to listen and tell others about it. Whoever listens to it. So. Yeah, man. We'll we'll keep doing this, and you know, the whole point of this was really just to you know help hear other people's stories and interactions from everyday life. And I think yours is so unique that it's a story that needs to be heard and continued to be told. And we'll talk about other things as well, but um, thanks for coming on bro and, and stay safe out there in Mississippi. And I'll do the same here in Colorado and uh, hopefully I can see yeah, you around dude, soon. I, uh, I will come on this, so to speak as much as possible. And whenever you have me, we can even, we can talk about random shit. We can talk about Ziploc bags, hot Cheetos, pretzel sticks i don't care i'm just looking at shit that i have in my hotel room right now but i don't care what we talk about man so dude thanks for having me appreciate it awesome brother hey love you man and uh take it easy love you too brother thank you everybody for listening episode two of up in the air that was second lieutenant cj taggett future fighter pilot in the f-15 definitely a unique perspective on his current journey and path in the military as I mentioned, this is available on Apple Podcasts now, Up in the Air with Alec Nolan. Please like, share, and subscribe if you want to hear more.